Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Anybody want to see Jesus love them today? Well, let's lean into the word, shall we? Let's lean into the word. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. Now, as we, as we get here, um, uh, Jesus uh, had just healed a paralytic, right? He had just come into, um, he had just crossed the Sea of Galilee. He got off and uh, he just started at his op- as his opening act. He healed somebody who had been paralyzed their whole life, right? And then he uh, forgave their sins and people got offended. And then it says in verse 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Smart move, right? Little, let me just give a little, just a little commentary on the scriptures. If Jesus shows up in your life and says, follow me, follow him, right? That's like, it's good. Let me, let me go so far as to say, if Jesus shows up in your life and says to do anything, do that. Right? That's I'm not sure what I should do. And I'm like, well, what did Jesus tell you to do? Well, he told me to do this. I'm like, that's the end of the conversation. Right? Like the, I don't know if you understand what we do here. I'm, I don't know. People will meet with me as their pastor and they'll be like, pastor, I still know what to do in this situation. Like God told me to do this, but this. I'm like, like when you told me that God told you to do this, that's the end of the conversation. Like I don't get to vote on whether or not God said that. You know, like if you're asking my opinion, ask my opinion. If that was really God. But if you tell me God told you to do something, that's the end. Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? And so Jesus, second person of the Trinity, walking the earth, fully God, fully man, walking the earth, giving some instructions. He went up to Matthew, who was a tax collector, betraying his own people by extorting them for Rome. Jesus said, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Don't stop on me here, Mikey. Then it happened. That as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners, oh Jesus, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. Then the Pharisees saw this and they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? Verse 12. But when Jesus heard this, he says, it is, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Any sinners in here who are thankful that Jesus called you? Is there anybody in the room today who says like, Jesus could have picked somebody better than me to be a disciple, but he picked me and I'm so incredibly thankful. Is there anybody in the room today that says, I was not following Jesus and like Bella, he showed up in my life and he said, listen, follow me. And I just took a chance and I started following Jesus. Then all of a sudden things started going better in my life. 
Is there anybody in the room that says, I may not have grown up in church, or I may have grown up in church, but I wasn't a follower, and I didn't always do what he told me to do, but one day I made a decision that I was going to follow Jesus, and then things started changing a little bit, and Jesus washed me clean and gave me new life and gave me a hope and gave me a vision and let me see things that I couldn't see. On my, come on, somebody. I don't know if you know where I come from, but I come from a, a, a line of depression. I come from a lineage of anxiety. I come from a lineage of unfaithfulness. I come from a lineage of addiction. And the Lord Jesus Christ, by his own sovereignty, came into my life and said, you know, Carl, why don't you follow me? And for some reason, I got up and put down my old life and started walking toward Jesus. And he filled me with the Holy Ghost of God and began to give me victory over what used to plague me. And he got some people out of my life that weren't any good for me. And he brought some people into my life who were good for me and let me see the face of God let me hear the voice of God he let me understand the word of God come on maybe things have been good for you your whole life but that's not my testimony my testimony is that he took me from the bottom a God mocker someone who didn't follow Jesus someone who persecuted other Christians and he said I'll take that one right there who thinks he knows something but I'll let him understand the one who knows everything and I'll come into his life and I'll give him wisdom and favor and grace and blessings. Oh, come on somebody. I don't know if you know this God that I know. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that he stopped by my little tax collector booth. That he just stopped by my little apartment in Gainesville and decided to reveal his glory to me. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, we didn't just need his power back in the Bible days. They didn't just need him back then, somebody. They didn't just, oh, they, oh, it was just a, the gifts were just a sign because they needed, tell me this world don't need a sign that Jesus is alive. Tell me this world don't need a sign that God is actual love. Come on, somebody. Oh, that's just, that's just for them, they say, Mikey. They just say, oh, that's just, in the Bible, they say, we got people right now, got degrees in the Bible, still don't know that God is love. You think they don't need a demonstration of the power of God? God showed up in my life with power. He didn't show up to say, no, I don't, I don't know what you should do, Carl. I can't help you with anything, but maybe you should follow. No, he came with power, with miracles, deliverance. Come on, he swept into my life and cleaned me up, gave me a new future. Come on, set me in the right direction. Oh, come on. So I just, I, don't, I just, I just, I, I just, I, I don't have enough words to talk about what God did in my life. He didn't just kind of convince me through an argument. He done came in and the power of God touched me. We need the power of God today. Come on, you need the power of God today. We need the power of God in our lives today. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus, that you would touch someone with your power today. That you'd come in this meeting today and be a deliverer. That you would come in this meeting today and fill someone with power. That you would come today and wash clean, Jesus. That you would give hope. That you would heal of depression. You would heal of anxiety. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Mike, you just got to get down. You just got to come on. 
I need to get in this word right here. We'll be here all day. I'm believing God for revival still. How about you? Come on, somebody. In South Florida, the summer comes and people are like, ah, their God becomes the beach. But I'm believing we're going to win souls this summer. I believe we're going to see people come into the kingdom, added to the church this summer. How about you? Come on, I'm still believing for God to do something significant right here. I'm still believing for revival. I'm still believing for revival. Amen. I'm still believing for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I'm believing people are going to get filled with the Holy Ghost of God in power. Amen. 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 Oh, Jesus. Getting a little excited here. Getting all worked up. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, 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 we need, we need, we need in this day and age, we need, um, we, we, we need, we need God. We need God. We need the real God. We need the, 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 the God from everlasting. We need, we need Jesus Christ, the eternal one. We, 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 we don't need, we don't need civil religion. We, we don't need self-help. We need the God of the Bible to come. We need, we need God. We need people to read this word and this word become alive and them to be filled with the spirit as they read it. And then we need to have power to do what we're called to do by the anointing of God, by the power of the Holy Ghost. This 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 word, this this word is it, it's just it's just ink on paper. It's just a book. And I got a lot of books. Amen. I got a bit of a book addiction, if I could be honest with you. I I have to make a covenant with myself every now and then. I can't read, I can't buy a new book until I've read half the books that I've bought that I haven't read yet. I just any any readers in the house that just got books, I just collect books. I'm like, I'm going to read that one. Oh, that one's going to be read. And I just my wife was like, how are you going to buy seminary books before you go to seminary? And then five years later, you got half the books are assigning because you've been reading them. And then you go to seminary and then you graduate from seminary. You still buy in seminary degrees. She took a picture of me. I had a book on um, uh, a, a theological book it was on a Pentecostal theology of uh, water baptism, about 500 pages. And I'm reading it and I got a book being held open with a pipe wrench because I had been doing some plumbing work, as I may or may not have shared with the church. And she's like, that's just Carl right there. You're doing plumbing one minute and reading theological textbooks the next, just, just for fun. Like, you got, that's just what I do. Amen. That's what I do. There's a, there's a story in this Bible. Here's what I want to tell you. There's a story in this Bible God is trying to get us to see. <clears throat> this, is, this, is, this, is not, this is not Harry Potter, right? This is not spells. And, and this, that's not what this is. this is. There's a story happening here. And if you and you can you can you can study the entire all the verses and miss the story. And if you don't get the story, you create a different religion. And what we need to do is we need to we need to we need to unpack these scriptures and see what God is trying to tell us today. We need to know the God of today and how he's speaking to us. I want to I want to take a little look at this little passage of scripture that we just read <clears throat> And uh, if we look at um, verse 13, Jesus tells these people, these people who know the Bible, they know the Bible, but he tells them, go ahead, put this up if you would, uh, chapter 9, verse 13. He says, but go and learn what, can you imagine if Jesus told you, you don't, he's like, you think you know something, but go and learn this. That, you might want to pay attention. Jesus says, go and learn what this means. I desire, I've got to look at the Bible. I desire compassion 
and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, let me tell you how to read your Bible here real quick. And you probably know this, but just for those maybe are new to, to learning the scriptures, you see here in the when you read the New Testament, you see how those words are um, in all caps. What they're doing there is showing you that he is directly quoting the Old Testament. And so Jesus, when you see the all caps there, it's there to signify to us that's not how it's written. When you look at the Greek, that's not how it's written, but the translators did that to kind of give you a, a key that they're quoting the Old Testament. And now, if you look, I don't have time to go down this rabbit trail. One day I, I'll do a teaching on this. If you look in the Old Testament, it's not worded the same as how the apostles and Jesus quoted the Old Testament. And you're like, why is that? Well, with a quick answer, uh, back in the days of Jesus, there were basically two streams. There were two different sets of scriptures. Well, there's many, but the two predominant ones were the Masoretic text and there was the Septuagint. The Septuagint was the Bible translated into Greek, and that's what everybody read. Everybody read the Septuagint. All the apostles read it. That's what Jesus read from. This is what they read. And then there was the Masoretic text. After Christianity started, all the, these Jews started getting saved, and they all were teaching out of the Septuagint how Jesus is the Christ. They went through the Old Testament, and they were teaching how Jesus is the Christ so many people came to faith in Christ that many of the people who taught out of the Septuagint uh, became Christians that the Pharisees decided we're not going to let people read the Septuagint. We're only going to use the Masoretic text. And so if you look at the, the Old Testament that we have today, they put it together in the second and third century out of the Masoretic text. So if you read the Septuagint, it looks exactly like how the apostles quote it. That's why if you read some TikTok and people are like, you see this word in Hebrew? That's not what it means. Well, you're looking at the Masoretic text, not the text the apostles are reading from, which says exactly what it says in the New Testament. And so if you go to the, you go to the Septuagint, it is exactly what is quoted here in the New Testament. But if you go to the Masoretic text, it looks a little different. And so people have these, these arguments. They're like, oh, you say that's not biblical, but look right here. I'm like, well, that's like, looking in one cookbook how to make a, a, a pie and saying, no, but look, it, it says over here, well, that's a different cookbook. You, 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 anybody get what I'm saying here? Okay, for those who get it, get it. And so what we see here is that Jesus is directly quoting scriptures to them and telling them, you do not understand this scripture. They came at Jesus and the Pharisees were saying, why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus' reply was, you don't understand the Bible. That's why you're asking me this question. I'm not even answering your question because your question shows me you don't understand the Bible. And I don't have to answer stupid questions is what he's saying. If your, if your question is dumb, I do not have to answer it. And if God is not answering questions, you've got to ask better questions. We've got to learn to ask better questions. That's why he doesn't answer so often. But he's actually quoting the book of Hosea. What? Yes, Hosea. Hosea is one of the 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament. They're not minor because they were underage. Uh, they're one of the shorter writings in the Bible. And Hosea, if you go to the left, if you open your Bible and you go to the left, you find uh, Hosea right there after Daniel, right before, I believe it's Amos. Is it right before Amos? Is that right? Anybody going to test pastor on his Bible knowledge? Let's see. Joel. Okay, I was close. Amos is in there somewhere. He's really in there somewhere, right? So between Daniel and Joel, we find the prophet Hosea. 
And, uh, uh, and here's what happened. Hosea is writing this book. Let, let's understand the scripture for a second, okay? Are you good? Are you good? Are you good? Are you with me? We tracking. Okay, so let's talk about Hosea for a minute. Hosea was a prophet, a uh, minor prophet uh, in, 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 for Israel. Israel was split between the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judea. And so Israel, he had a prophet, a prophet named uh, Hosea. He was actually the only prophet, minor prophet that was actually born in Israel and was called to prophesy in Israel. Uh, because he, he wrote shorter, he was a little more dense in his writing. Uh, there were many gods that Israel kept worshiping during this time. If you remember, it was only a hundred years before this that Elijah had that showdown with the prophets of Baal. You remember that? On Mount Carmel, and they had this, let's determine whose God is God. And we think that he was proving to the Jews, or excuse me, that he was proving to the Babylonians that his God was above their God. You remember that? They put out the wood, and he soaked the wood in water, and he called down fire, and then he killed the prophets of Baal, and and we think like he was trying to show the king and, and Baal who the real God was. But no, actually, just like all the other prophets, the prophet was trying to show Israel. Listen, stop worshiping other gods. Stop putting your faith in other things. And that was only 100 years before Hosea had come onto the scene. And there was this, there was this struggle to get people to stop worshiping foreign gods. And around the same time that Hosea was a prophet, Amos was also a prophet. And Israel was, was doing well at this time. They had been um, captured by the Assyrians. They were free. And, um, and they were now in their own land. They were beginning to prosper. Uh, but not everybody in Israel was doing well. The country was doing well, but not all the people were doing well. The rich were getting richer and um, they were getting more powerful, and they were doing it at the expense of the poor. Anybody seen that before? And so some people were able to buy lots of houses, and some people would be able to afford no houses. Anybody seen that before? And, and, so, and so all these prophets wrote about like this injustice that was happening. Amos, of course, was prophesying at the same time in Judea, and Amos concentrated on social injustice. Why aren't you taking care of the poor? Why aren't you taking care of the homeless? Why aren't you taking care of the foreigner? Why aren't you taking care of the immigrant? And Hosea wrote more about in the situation of Israel that they were being unfaithful to their God, and he called that idolatry. Not being faithful to your one true God is idolatry because you put something in front of God. Something has become more important than God. And so Hosea was this prophet, and real prophets uh, have to live a prophetic life. Um, for better or for worse. A lot of people in today's charismatic life um, like to call themselves prophets. If, if you go on social media or you go on YouTube, you see these people, they call themselves prophets so-and-so, and it's taking all of, my, all of my willpower to say they are not. So I just started TikTok uh, about telling them they're not prophets, but you know that's just what I do for a hobby. That's what I do to wind down and tell people God doesn't actually, God didn't say any of those things he's saying. Um, but to be a prophet, to be a real prophet, you live a prophetic life. A prophet isn't someone who just says prophetic words. A prophet has to live a prophetic life. And let, let, me, let me give you one example of this. I mean, would you like the gift of prophecy? Yeah, good, good. Hesitant, very smart. Now, we're not talking fortune teller. We're talking about a prophet. Hosea was a prophet. And so Israel was unfaithful to God. 
And God said, I need you to be a prophetic life of what is happening in Israel. So what I want you to do is go get this woman named Gomer. And but that again, like I got to marry a wife named Gomer. Really? Are you serious? But it gets worse. Gomer was a prostitute. And so he had the, 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 the prophet who had to live a holy life without any sin. He had to live as holy life, keep all the law. And he said, you're going to go marry this prostitute. And, and, and he's like, what? I'm, I would never visit a prostitute. That would make me unclean. And God said, you're going to marry this prostitute named Gomer. And Hosea married this prostitute. Now, in American film, we have this, and in, in American society today, we somehow whitewashed prostitution to make it somewhat dignified. People get a little website where they sell their naked body and as if there's anything classy about that. And if you've been caught up in that, I pray the Lord would deliver you and that you would have your dignity restored to you and you would be able to live in holiness and God would provide for you financially. But this isn't like some movie like where, where the prostitute is really just some girl down in her luck and you know some rich man comes along and sees her real wealth and redeems her and she starts living a holy life. Yeah, Pretty Women. For those of you who are old enough to know that movie, like Pretty Women, yeah. Um, this, isn't, this isn't that story. He marries Gomer, and Gomer just, she's shysty, right? She's dirty, she, and she is nasty. And, 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 and he marries her, and they have a child together. And, and, and then she has two more kids, and Hosea's like, I don't actually think those are my kids, right? So, so she is still sleeping around with other people while married to the prophet. And the prophet's like, like I've been serving you my whole life. Like I, this took some work to become the prophet, and now I'm the prophet. I'm the only one who can write for you here in the northern kingdom. I'm speaking judgment, and I'm married to a prostitute who is, after I married her, she's still not faithful to me. And now I have some kids, and, 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 and she's still not faithful to me. And God says to, to Hosea, he's like, exactly. That's what it's like being married to Israel. And that, that's the point of the book. He's like, I'm, you were unfaithful as a people. And I chose you even though you chose other gods. I still chose you to be with me. And even after I chose you, you still kept cheating on me. And now the prophet, the prophet, a real prophet, had to live that out so he could prophesy it out of God's heart. Like, I know what it feels like to be betrayed. And this is what is happening to God. You begin living a prophetic life and weird things starts happening to your life. And you got to start asking God, what, what in the world is going on here? What is happening? And I, could, I can give you a thousand examples of how I have seen that in today's church. They, people have been deceived into thinking that if you're a prophet, you become a rich fortune teller, where if you are a real prophet, you start living a life of some weirdness with some very high highs and some very weird seasons where things aren't so great. And so and so this is this is this is who Jesus is quoting. Jesus is quoting this prophet Hosea who's trying to teach Israel be faithful to your God. Now, during this time the Assyrians in the, were in of the north of Israel and um, they were gaining strength. And when Israel everything was going well, they weren't so excited about God. When things were going bad, 
They were very excited about God, right? So when things were well, like, I don't really need to go to church because things are good. And then all of a sudden, your marriage is on the rocks, your kids are whatever, and your finances are crazy. I better go to church now. Like, yes, it might be better to stay in church. It might be good to stay faithful to God, right? So the Assyrians to the north, Israel was fine. And then the Assyrians to the north started feeling themselves, and they just started gaining strength. And Israel was blind to what its sin was causing within the country. When they were righteous, it was like a protection from the enemy. When they were faithful to God, it was like a wall of protection. It wasn't that God made them get conquered. It's their faithfulness that protected them. And when they stopped being faithful, they didn't have that protection. God was like, I will come where I am wanted. And if you want me to be your God, then I will rest on Israel and no one can harm you. If you don't want me to be your God, I'm good either way. And then I will just not. And then, but you will find out if I'm not your God, people will come. Like the bad things will happen. And this is what happened. The, the Assyrians were, were, were getting stronger. Israel was blinded to its sin. And they stayed in this cycle of sin. And here we are in the middle of this book of Hosea, in the middle of his prophecies in, in chapter 5. In chapter 5, Hosea, the prophet, speaks to um, Israel, and, and it says, here's what I love in the Septuagint, it says, in, if you go to Hosea 5, 15, in the Septuagint, it says, I will go, this is God speaking, I will go and return to my place. Like, I'm going to go back to my path. I'm going go, I'm going back to my place, until which time y'all are destroyed. And then you'll come and seek me. I'm just letting you know, you don't want me to be your God, that's fine. But, I, but, I, but I'm going home, and when you need me, you'll know where to find me after you are destroyed. Like, that is not what you want to hear from God. This is not a message you want to hear from God. And so in chapter six, he's like, you know, he, he tells them, Here, here's what's going to happen. And, and so things start to fall apart and it starts to fall apart. And uh, and, and then and then the, the, the prophet says, you know, come on, guys, let you know, the, the people begin to, you know, things are going bad. And the people say to each other, hey, come on, guys, let's. Uh, Let's return to God. I, I, think, I think if we if we go back to him, he'll heal us. They're having these conversations. Things are going bad. They're like, hey, let's go back to God. He'll, he'll heal us. And then they're like, but, but, but wait, it, it, it's his fault that we're in this mess. And, and then they're like, um, no, 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 he'll free us. And they're like, no, 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 no. It's his fault that we're hurt. And they're like, but, 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 but he will heal us. And they're like, and they go back and forth with this. Have you ever been this way? This crazy theology, like my problems are God's fault. But God can deliver me. But it's God's fault that I'm in this. And God didn't deliver me before. But it's God. No, no, no. They're like, man, y'all are they're just double minded. They didn't understand who God really is. It's, it's like God says, like, like, what, what, what am I going to do with you all? And here's where we are in the story. He says to them, he says to them through the prophet, he's like, your loyalty to me, it's, 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 it's like a it's like a fog. It, it's your loyalty is like a fog. It's it's there for a minute. But then it, it, it burns off. It goes away really fast. And then he says this in Hosea 6.6. 6. I'm going to say this out of the New Living Translation, I believe is how I have it up here. He says, he says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Israel had this thing in their head. They, they had this, 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 this system. They're like, okay, we're supposed to do the right thing but we're allowed to do the wrong thing if we do the right sacrifice, right? It's like, no, that's, 
no, that's that's not it. Like I, I taught you how to apologize, but that's not supposed to factor into your choose to sin, your your choice to sin. You're like, oh, I, I've asked you to do the right thing. And if you've not done the right thing, I want you to get right with me so that you can stay right with me. I did not create a system where you begin to just factor into the cost of doing the wrong thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Jesus' mission was, was fueled not by a desire to get people to do the right thing. His mission was fueled by a deep love for the Father and a deep love for fallen humanity. This is the love that God wanted from us, that Jesus came with. Romans 5.8 reads it, but God demonstrates His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mission begins in the heart of God because God's mission is fueled and rooted in His love. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world. He so loved the world that He sent His Son, God loves the world and He wants all people to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. And so those people are like, God, God, we've done the wrong thing. We've done the wrong thing. How, how, how can we make it right? How, how can we make it right and come into a relationship with you where, where we're all together and Jesus is like, or excuse me, God is like, here's, here's what you can do. Stop hurting me. You ever been in a relationship where it's like you're in the same cycle over and over and over and over again, and you've forgiven so many times that your forgiver is broken? You ever been there? Like you've forgiven people so many times, you're like, I am not sure I can forgive you again. They're like, no, 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 I promise. What can I do to make it up to you? You can actually operate in love. Anybody know what I'm saying? You can operate in love, and then I might start trusting you. are like, oh, but I'll make it up. You're like, I don't want you to make it up to me. I want you to stop hurting me. This is God. Like, yeah, yeah, I keep forgiving. What I would like you to do is stop hurting me. I would like you to, I would like you to operate in the way I've called you to. They're like, oh, but, but hey, here's what we do. But, but God, we gave you these, we gave you these, these, these sin offerings. We, we gave these sacrifices, all these, all these rams and all, all these bulls, and we did all these things. Let me, let me just take you to the Scripture real quick. Let me just, this is my message. I just studied this this week. Are you ready for something here? Turn to Exodus, if you would, please. Exodus... Where are we going? Yeah, we're going old, old. Where are we at here? Exodus, um, like 34. Go to Exodus 34. You got a Bible? Go ahead and go to Exodus 34. We're going we're gonna to read the Bible here for a second. Is that all right? Exodus 34. Now, now, now you, you might have seen this story before. Um, God had given them, had, had, had said, I'm going to give you my way. I'm going to let you understand my ways. And, and Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. He gives them the Ten Commandments. Moses comes down, and they're worshiping another God already. Right. And Moses, like he felt some type of way, he drops the Ten Commandments, they shatter everywhere. And he's like, I don't know what to do with y'all. And he goes back up on the mountain. Right. And here, here we are um, in Exodus 34. And uh, the, the Lord told Moses, hey, cut some new tablets, uh, cut some new. And I don't know how you cut tablets on the top of a mountain. I don't I don't know how you do that. But he cut, cut some cut some tablets. And he says, um, verse two, be ready by morning and I'll come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present you. Present yourself there to me on top of the mountain. Uh, so no man come up with you. Verse four, he did the stones. Verse five, and watch this. I want you to catch this. Like this is, this, this is everything right here. I want you to catch this. Verse five, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, 
who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. I, 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 want, you to, I want you to hear this. Moses is up there on the mountain. He's got these two tablets. God's going to write the law in it. And he's like, listen, I'm going to give you the law. But before you get the law, I need you to know that I am love. My law is not above this love. Who I am is not, is not, is not somehow some servant to, to this law. It's not, I, I am a God of love, but now I have to be bound to the law and wrath. No, before the law ever came, God wanted to tell people that I am love. You Because if you don't understand this, if you don't understand my compassion, yeah, come on, somebody. If you don't understand my compassion, you don't understand that I'm loving kind, you're going to read this law wrong. You're going to think that I'm the God of law, but that's not who I am. I'm going to give this to you because you want to know my ways. These are my ways. But if you do not understand who I am, you're going to think that this is who I am, but this is not who I am. I am loving kindness. I forgive sins. I am, I am with you. You're in the cloud. I'm standing. If you do not get that, you will think the law is who I am. And this is what Jesus was battling as he lived on the earth. This, this, is, this is what Christianity is battling today. Who is God? Is he the God of love or is he the God of rules? Now, God has some expectations in our behavior, but his essence is love. This is the essence of who he is. And, and these people did not want Jesus to act in love. They wanted him to act in judgment because they missed this foundational teaching of God to Moses. That before anything, and, 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 and they're like, hey, we, the temple was beautiful at this time. It was massive and they had the temple system and Rome protected their temple uh, 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 ceremonies and they got to do their thing. But all throughout history, God was like, man, you, you think what you're doing is impressing me? Like, this isn't what I want. I want you to be my people. Over and over again, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, I'm going to read this out of the New English translation. 1 Samuel 15, God says through Samuel, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as he does obedience? Certainly obedience is better than sacrifice. Paying attention to God is better than the fat of rams. In Psalm 40, he said this, receiving sacrifices and offerings are not your primary concern, God. You make that quite clear to me. You do not ask for burnt sacrifices and sin offerings. Then I say, look, and I come, what is written in the scroll pertains to me. I want to do what pleases you, my God. Your law dominates my thoughts. In Jeremiah, he comes and says, God says, consider this. When I spoke to your ancestors after I brought them out of Egypt, I did not merely give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices. I also explicitly commanded them, obey me. If you do, I will be your God. You will be my people. Live exactly the way I tell you and things will go well with you. I mean, it's good to repent. It's good to go to God and have, have short, um, just short cases with God that you clean up your sin. But God so much more desires that we would live in a way that demonstrates our love for him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is so much more important than just, oh, I know how to repent. I know how to do spiritual warfare. It's more important that we understand that just we got to hear God's voice and obey him. The, the, the prophet Micah asked the Lord, what do I need to do to enter your presence? He's like, Micah is like, like wrestling. How, what do I need to do to enter your presence? He's like, do you want me to, 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 to sacrifice a thousand rams? Do you, do, you, do you want me to make so much oil offering that it's like a river? Do you want me to sacrifice my firstborn to you? 
And God says, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly before God. This is a clear history of God wants His people to do. This is, this, this is clearly what God wants. Do justice. Love kindness. Be humble before God. Don't get so prideful that you think you're controlling God. Don't, 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 don't think that you know because I'm a Christian, I get to boss other people around. or I, I got this special line on what to do. It's okay that I sin because my, my, my sins are forgiven. That's, that's, that's none of those things. And so, so we go back to our scripture here in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus takes that whole history of God saying, you think your sacrifices are making you right. And y'all have completely failed to understand who God is. He puts it to Israel. He says, listen, listen, uh, you, you say you know the law. I put the law into practice. I put it into practice. And so how does he put it into practice? He goes and he sees Matthew, the tax collector, the one who is abusing Israel. And he goes to his booth and he made him a disciple. Like him? Why would you choose Carl of all the people? Why? Many people have asked that. Why would you pick Carl? Because God does miracles. Amen. Same reason he picked you. Because he, he'll take the bottom. Amen. Come on, somebody. I know he did with me. He took Matthew, a tax collector, and made him a disciple. This is how Jesus demonstrated this scripture. Jesus was doing the very thing Israel had been called to do and never wanted. They're doing their offerings, they're doing their sacrifices, but they missed the bigger thing Jesus was after. He's after the heart. He was after their heart. This is the goal of Jesus. He's after hearts. He's always been after hearts. He's after your heart. He is the love that we are longing for. That's who He is. He is the belonging that we're longing for. He is the community that we so desire. And His love is the promise of God. He said that He would send the Holy Ghost and you would be filled with power. What would happen after you were filled with power? That you would preach the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And this is what Jesus modeled. Jesus so loved God that He reached people who did not know Him. It wasn't some militant thing where He's conquering new lands. He wasn't out there as some sort of general or, you know, I got to take the, take the land for God. No, 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 no. He was like, God loves these people. And I would much rather hang out with people who already love God. But since I love God, I have to go and give this message to people who don't already know him. He said, you will be filled with power and you will be my witness. If you are filled with God, you are a witness for Jesus Christ. Just like Bella stood up here and said, I saw Jesus and now I'm telling you what I saw. We're supposed to be in the world loving them enough to tell them what we saw. You don't got to run their lives. You don't got to fix them. You don't need an offering for their sin. You don't need to tell them what they need to do. What you need to do is be a witness. All we got to do is tell people what Jesus did for us. Do you want more of the Holy Ghost? The power to change things? the power to move mountains in your life, stay engaged in the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. So you want the gospel at work in your life. 
You want to preach the message of the gospel to people around you. You want to live the gospel in your life. Come on, somebody. You want the gospel alive in your life. You want resurrection power at work in every area of your life. Can you say amen? Hear me. A heart that loves God leads to hands that love people. Let me say that again. A heart that loves God leads to hands that love people. This is who our God is. We got to get people connected to the love of God. We got to get them to a place of understanding God's word. We can't let people just go and not tell them about our faith. You don't got to fix anybody. You don't got to convince anybody. I, I don't know if you saw the, 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 the women's um, collegiate uh, softball championship happen. I believe it was softball. And it just happened uh, yesterday. And uh, the, the, the girl was up there and they were like, you know, in this tournament, you are underdogs. How were you able to have, how was your coach able to coach you to have this perfect piece that you could play these plays? And how could you? And she was like, the only way to get perfect peace is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what she's saying at the press conference. The only way for perfect peace is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no coach. There's no technique. That is the only way that you can get it. She's just sharing her testimony. She's not telling the reporter that he has to do anything. She's like, oh yeah, we're winners, but I'm, I, but my peace didn't come from winning. My peace didn't come from training. My peace came from Jesus. Just being a witness. Just being a witness. We, 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 you, you can't just let people suffer and not bring them to a place where they can learn the word of God and get the peace of God in their life. You don't have to convince anybody anything. You just invite them. Hey, come, learn the word. Let the Holy Ghost of God touch you and change your life. And this has been what the church has been about all throughout history. You got time for another story? I'm going to tell you another story. All right. In the fourth century, um, there was this good-looking fellow uh, named Gregory of Nyssa. Got a picture of him here. Go ahead. Good-looking fellow, right? They had, they had some interesting-looking people back in the day. I know church fathers are... I, 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 I'd wear that robe. I'm not going to lie. I would wear that robe. And, and I might take that Bible, because that Bible's looking nice. The beard, I don't know so much about. And the hair... Mm, not so. I would. I wouldn't mind the flowing golden locks, but I'm not sure I could rock that. The, as you get older, your hair migrates. It just. It just migrates. As, as you're a theologian, it just kind of migrates. That's what happens. It just. It migrates south, just like the. You know, like when people in New York retire to Florida, the hair retires to the chin. As as you get older, here's here's what happens. And so, so Gregory of Nyssa, if you know anything about church history, his brother was Basil, his sister was Macrina, who you may or may not know was, a, um, a, a, um, they were monk. Okay, you don't care about that. Uh, but they lived in the fourth century, and he was doing a series of teachings on Ecclesiastes. And if you haven't read Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, the, the writer keeps talking about how people are prideful and how we think we have control over something when we really have control over everything, right? We think we have something, but we really don't. We think we know something, but it's all vanity, meaning it's all pride. You think you can say what this is going to happen. With that. That's all pride. And he decides in his teaching in the fourth century uh, on Ecclesiastes, he starts writing about prideful man, right? And uh, he, he, in writing about pride, he's in prayer. And, and, and Gregory of Nyssa, he was the bishop of Nyssa from 335 to 395. He is the first person in recorded human history Write this down, do research, you'll find out. First person in recorded history to write a moral case on why slavery is immoral. 
This is a Christian filled with the Holy Ghost studying the Old Testament. Very first person in recorded history in the 4th century to say, slavery, slavery is sin. This is, this is wrong. Now before that, people had said how to be a good slave master and when you may be able to release slaves and when you should... And, and American slavery was a particularly wicked type of slavery. It was a little different back then. They did capture lands and take slaves. And of course, it was, it was always been awful, but American slavery had a different wickedness to it. But um, he, he wrote in the fourth century, an even less wicked form of slavery was completely immoral. When people were using the Old Testament, I want you to hear this, to justify slavery... Now Gregory of Nyssa, filled with the Holy Ghost, started reading those same texts saying, oh, this is, this is sin. Put up the next slide if you would. Here's what he said. He said, if man is in the likeness of God, who is his buyer? Tell me. Who is his seller? Men and women were created free. In fact, even after we chose to be enslaved to sin, God spontaneously recalled us to freedom. And if God does not enslave what is free... Who is he that sets his own power above God's? I feel the Holy Ghost on that, don't you? I feel the Holy Ghost. Here's a man filled with the Holy Ghost who understood God's heart and was able to read the Word of God anointed by the Holy Ghost to see who God really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's scriptures about how to treat your slaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before that, God set people free. That is the God that we know. That is who God is. And this, it took like 1,500 years before this really caught on in any kind of large-scale matter in the Western world. But here's a church father filled with the Holy Ghost, a bishop completely going against the grain, reaching out to those who are enslaved saying, this is wrong. Now, what would it happen if he didn't put this in motion in the 4th century? What would we be believing now? I, I, I shudder to think what might happen if we didn't have somebody who said, yeah, I know what everybody is saying, but I know God, and this is immoral. What's funny in his argument is he wasn't even, he wasn't even concerned about the slaves. I, I, I know that's bad, but it's not like he was looking at slaves and saying, wow, that's, it's, wow, that's not. What he's saying is, you think you can own another person? What is wrong with you? He wasn't out there saying, hey, we, we, need to, we need to stop shooting people in the back who are running away from police. He's not saying that. He's saying, like, who do you think you are that you can murder somebody, one of God's creations? What makes you think that you have that power that God has not given you? This is, this was, this is true morality here. It wasn't some sort of compassion or empathy. It was the righteousness of God. He said, how dare you take life into your hands? How dare you decide whose life and whose death happens when it happens? That's God's domain. You should not be so prideful as to think that you have a right to do that. And that's what I believe. I'm pro-life. I'm pro I've said it every time. From womb to tomb, get rid of the death penalty. We're not supposed to be killing anybody at any time. It is not in God's nature. People are like, but some people deserve death. Yeah, you, you wicked sinner. And God didn't kill you, so let's not kill anybody else. Amen. Let's not take over countries because they have oil and we want the oil. Let's, let's not be God. Amen. Come on up, Mike, if you would. I'm a, I'll just come up here all day just talking. Coming up here with him, Sybil, if you would. We're not going to sing. We're just going to play a little bit here. Okay, so, so, so this is Gregory of Nyssa. That's your little church history lesson today. He saw the word. He saw in the word righteousness. He saw the righteousness of God, and he put it into practice. Now, do you know, do you know, do you know, do you know like, 
for many people in slave-owning societies, their greatest wealth was in their slaves. That, 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 was, that was the center of their wealth. And I don't know if you know this, but you start messing with people's money and people start to hate you because mammon is their God. That's the God of mammon. As a pastor, I have had people try to dethrone me, try to get me out from being pastor because I started messing with their money. I started saying, your business is unrighteous. I don't know if you should be pastor. I don't know if you're a Christian. <laughs> How about that? We should start a different church where you don't make me feel guilty about my sin. Well, go ahead. Hell's wait, waiting for you. I don't know what to tell you. That's judgmental, Pastor. Huh? Right there. It is what it is. Thank you. Let me tell you the key to your breakthrough. Put up Psalm 50 if you would. I think, I think that's in there. Here's what the psalmist said. We read this before service. For those who show up to church on time. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you and you will honor me. You read Psalm 15. He goes on for like, I don't know, a dozen verses saying, the earth is mine. The cattle on a thousand hill is mine. Now I've seen people use that verse to say that therefore we can be wealthy. But God is in that scripture is saying, you're giving me cows, but I already own them. Because they're all mine. You're giving me these rams. The earth is mine. Like, I know you're feeling good about your sacrifice. But I own all that stuff. I don't know if you guys recognize this. I'm God. Not only do I own it, I made it. It's always been mine. He's like, oh, you, you want a real sacrifice? You, 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 you think... Like, you feel this interior need to sacrifice something for God. Here's what I would like you to sacrifice. If you go back to verse 14. If you want to sacrifice something, give a sacrifice of praise. This is what he's saying. Give a sacrifice. You, you want to do a sacrifice? Give a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Remember me in the pit. And instead of turning to other gods, remember me. You want to give a sacrifice? Sacrifice your foreign gods. And only rely on me. You do need to pay something. What you need to do is pay the vow that you made me. When you promised that you would serve me. When you promised that you would tell people about me. When you promised you would expand this kingdom. Go ahead and repay that vow. You want to give me something. Do what you said you would do. That's what I want you to do. Don't come up with something. Oh, look, God, I, I, I didn't. Wait. No, no, no. Do what you said you would do. Go back and do what you said you would do. You said you'd be an evangelist. You said that you would reach your family. You said that you would live righteous. You said that you wouldn't have a God before me. Do that if you want to pay me something. Do that. Then when you have some trouble, watch this, verse 15. Then when you have some trouble, call on me and I'll rescue you. Why am I in the pit, God? Because I have not been your God all this time. Your money's been your God. Your, your, your sexual appetite has been your God. Your need for money has been your God. Your anger has been your God. Your self-righteousness has been your God. Your pride has been your God. But I want to be your God. And if you would let me be your God, then in the day of trouble, you'll call on me and I will deliver you. Do you need breakthrough in your life? I do. Do you need breakthrough in your life? 
Yes. Bring your God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Make a vow. And you're gonna, that you're going to serve God. And then keep your vow and watch Him overshadow your life. It may not turn out the way you think it's going to, but it will be good. Let me, let me land it with this. Let me land it with this. Three quick ways. You're like, what, how do I put this in practice? Let me give you three quick ways on how you put this in practice. Number one, show love to someone who doesn't deserve it. Let me take it down. Show love to someone who doesn't deserve it. Who did you dirt? Show them love. Number two, invite someone into the kingdom of God. Oh, that's scary, Pastor. Yeah, just invite, oh, you, we, got, we got invitation cards. Just invite them. Just invite them. God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my vow. I'm just going to invite somebody to church. Hey, come. I'm learning in the Bible who God is. Do you want to come? What time is it? 10 o'clock. What kind of coffee do you like? Pick them, buy them a coffee, bring them to church. Do you think that a soul is worth $3? Do you wish like when you were trapped in sin, someone would give $3 so that you could be out of sin? Come on, somebody. Do you not wish that you met and walked with Jesus earlier? I do. You are God's plan. Number three, serve God's kingdom. Serve God's kingdom. Just serve. That's all you got to do. Serve God's kingdom. Get Take part in a ministry team or just serve God's kingdom some way. Invite people to, to the kingdom of God and show love to someone who does not deserve it. That's how, that's how you put this message into practice. Make a decision that your prosperity is tied to God's prosperity. Thank you, Josh. Make a decision. My prosperity is tied to Jesus' prosperity. I want you to see something in Matthew chapter 9. Are you getting anything out of this? I'm almost done. Are you getting something out of this? I believe the Holy Ghost is ministering in the room right now. He's even telling you some people. So they didn't, they didn't, they didn't think that Jesus should be, should be hanging out with tax collectors. Oh, this is so good. Are you ready? Let me say this a different way. They didn't think that Jesus should be hanging out with someone like you. Someone like me. Jesus went to one. Jesus went to one, and he invited him into the kingdom. He said to Matthew in Matthew chapter 9, follow me. Matthew chapter 9, follow me. Matthew chapter 10. Then it happened. As Jesus was reclining at table, behold. He said, behold. Listen, I'm about to tell you something. Many tax collectors and sinners came. You don't get this quite yet. Let me, let me try to Jesus invited one. One. He invited one. But through the anointing of God, he invited the one and many showed up. His efforts were multiplied as he reached out God's heart to Matthew, the one tax collector. Next thing we know, we see him at dinner and all these people who thought that they were completely disqualified from God's love, disqualified from God's kingdom, disqualified from the table, were at the table with Jesus. Would you like to see a harvest in your family? Would you like to see a harvest in your workplace? I want to see a harvest in South Florida. 
But it starts with us inviting the one. The one who doesn't deserve it. The one who seems so far away. The one who seems completely captivated by the enemy. You invite the one and the Lord will bring the many. All of a sudden you're involved in God's kingdom and the anointing is multiplying in your life. You you invite the one but someone else hears it and they think, man, that, that word was actually for me. And on the way your anointing is beginning to multiply because you're casting your seed everywhere. And as you're casting your seed, you're starting to discern where the good ground is and the bad ground is and the rocky ground is. And you start beginning to cooperate with the Holy Ghost of God. And when you start cooperating, come on somebody, you start cooperating with God in the in the harvest, you start hearing him in other places. You start hearing when he's like, oh, no, 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 don't go into that business deal. You're like, oh, I know that voice. Don't, no, no, don't trust that person at their word. You're like, oh, I know that voice because that same voice told me to say something to the waitress about coming to church that told me to say something to my aunt about coming to church that same voice that told me to do that is telling me watch out for that person uh watch out you 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 will walk in a room come on prophesying over somebody right now Uh, you will walk in a room and someone will smile at you and instantly you'll hear the holy ghost say they're gossiping about you watch what you say and i tell you those are words you want to hear from god they're gossiping about you watch what you say to them because the voice because you know the voice, because you know the heart. Stand with me if you would. When you know God's heart, you know what God is doing, you start knowing where God is going. Last point. I'm, 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 I just need you to catch this quickly because I don't have time for it. When you know God's voice, you know His Word, you know His heart, you know what He's doing, then you start catching Him on the way to miracles and you get your miracle. When you go home, read Matthew chapter 9. There's a little story after the one we just read, and then there's a woman. A woman with an issue of blood. And she she knew Jesus was on the way to raise somebody from the dead. And somehow, something on the inside of her knew enough about Jesus that he was a compassionate healer to know where Jesus was going. And she went through the crowd and she caught him on his way to another miracle and got her miracle. Come on, somebody. If you need God's miracle in your life, you need to be around God's miracles. You need to be around God's miracles. You catch him on the way to saving somebody else and all of a sudden you get the anointing for your breakthrough. You don't need to just focus on your breakthrough. You get focused on what Jesus is focused on and then you get the miracle in your life. Come on, somebody, raise your hands and just tell Jesus right now, I give you my life. Come on, come on, come on. Lift your hands and just begin to surrender to God. God, I give you a sacrifice of praise right now in accordance with your word. I give you a sacrifice of praise right now. Come on, just begin to praise him with your mouth. I give you a sacrifice of praise. Lift your hands, come on, just wave them to God. I give you a sacrifice of praise right now, Jesus. I give you a sacrifice of praise. Now make your vow right now. Make your vow right now. Go ahead. Come on. Come on. He's going to hear you. Wave your hands. Come on. Raise your hands and wave them to God. Come on. Make a sacrifice of praise. Lift your voice. Do not miss this moment. Make your voice Make your voice known to God. I give you praise, Jesus. I give you glory, Jesus. I give you honor, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Give him a sacrifice of praise. Give him a sacrifice of praise. Give him a sacrifice of praise. And make your vow. Make your vow to God. God, I'm going to do it. Come on, come on, come on. What do you want me to do? I'm going to do it. 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 And then you will be able to call upon him. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Some of you just need to continue to praise him for a second. You need to continue to. Here's your breakthrough. You want breakthrough. Here it is. 
Father, we want you and your spirit alone. No demonic spirit, no anxiety spirit, no manipulating spirit, no fornicating spirit, no depressing spirit. We want your spirit in the name of Jesus. We want your spirit in the name of Jesus. We want your breakthrough in the name of Jesus. We keep your vow in the name of Jesus. We keep your word in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, 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 come on. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. We need, are you ready? Come on, come on. Your spirit in the name of Jesus. Come on, come on, somebody. We need your anointing in the name of Jesus. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Make your vow to God. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to be faithful to Jesus. I'm going to be faithful to Jesus. And I will trust you in the day of trial. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Come on, give a clap offering to God. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. If you're away from God today, I want you to come forward, stand right up here, and someone's going to pray with you and invite you into God's kingdom. If you need healing in your life, we're going to pray together today. And we're going to, God's going to touch your body. If you need deliverance, God's going to touch your body today. Your first time guest, I want to thank you for joining us. I'll be out in the lobby in a moment. I would love to meet you, but let me bless you before you go. You ready to receive? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you. Come on, let's say it. And give you peace in the name of Jesus. Give a clap offering to the Lord. Touch your neighbor and say, keep your vow to God. Say, I'm agreeing with you. You'll keep God's, your vow to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. Have an amazing week.